All right, guys, duck season is coming up quick, fast, in a hurry. Get your coffee fix at dirtyduckcoffee.com. Use code TEXASOUTDOORS for 15% off your order at checkout. As John said, season is here. If you're looking for some pretty cool apparel, some drip, head over to foulfollower.com and use discount code BTO, as in Big Texas Outdoors, at checkout. And that'll get you 15% off your first order. Be on the lookout for some pretty cool drip coming from them too. Oh yeah, for sure. We're coming at you from the lodge at Pipkin Ranch. If you guys are looking for a venue to host any sort of event, such as a wedding or an employee outing, be sure to check them out on Facebook at the lodge at Pipkin Ranch. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Big Texas Outdoors podcast. Got a very special guest this evening. Miss Aislinn Phelan. That's me. That's her. So, Miss Phelan, where are you from originally? I am actually from this area of Southeast Texas, specifically Beaumont. And I've born and raised here and been hunting and fishing here my whole life. I was going to say, anybody that's in the hunting world in Southeast Texas typically knows the last name Phelan. Yes. It's a, y'all have been around this area for a long time. We have. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys own a good bit of different properties around this area. We do. A um, little backstory is uh, my family was involved in the uh, second spindle top with the Yantley Oil Company. Okay. And so uh, my great grandfather, he was involved and kind of invested in a whole bunch of real estate in the area and then kind of trickled down throughout the generations. And so we've always been involved in hunting and fishing in the area and especially with kind of conservation For as sure. well and all that. And some marshland, some fields, and all that, and just for all Which the different types of Which you guys have hunting. some marshland down here kind of on the intercoastal, correct? We do, yes. Okay, all right, I thought so. So what, so here we are creeping up on September. So what does your September look like? Well, uh, we have alligator season that okay. is going to start on the 10th. Um, teal season is starting on the 9th. And, uh, so, and we have dove season that also just started. And so September for me is looking like alligators and ducks. Fair enough. Yes. All right. So do y'all have a bunch of tags back here or, or just in the area? We do. Um, we pulled quite a few for the family and everything, but I'm actually headed over to Louisiana for a girls hunt in Morganza, Louisiana. And we're going to do it like the swamp people style out of okay. the boat and everything. There you go. Yes. So part of the reason we wanted to get you on is because you've got such an in-depth, really, you're so involved in the hunting and maybe fishing? Are you fish a little bit, maybe? Mm -hmm. Okay, yes. so hunting and fishing world here in Southeast Texas. And so um, what what got you into it? And and I will say, when I think of a, w women hunting, I think of my wife, right? And so you're a lot more hardcore than my <laughs> wife, right? So my wife is going to go out there once a year, and she doesn't – there's there's two rules. Make sure she's got plenty of clothing, and make sure mosquito spray doesn't get on her lips because she can't <laughs> – you know, oh, bam. but oh, yeah. I see your photos and things on social media and you guys are really hardcore. I mean, you guys are traveling around and making some hunts. Oh yeah. So what got you into hunting and fishing or who? My dad. Okay. Um, my dad originally wanted a boy and was expecting, I guess, a boy to come out. And then I came out and my dad was like, okay, well, I'm going to be bringing her with me. And I remember I was four or five years old going out. I was in the marsh. I was in bottom of a deer blind sleeping. And then, um, let's see, 
I was fishing in the boat with them. I was fishing down at the marsh. I mean, you name it. I mean, I grew up doing it. I remember my mom, she dressed me all cute to go dove hunting and my dad just shoving me in the bush as like the birds would fly over. <laughs> and then I would be the bird dog and I would just run out there, pick up the dove and then I'd come right back. And that was like one of my fond memories of hunting with my dad. Um, I remember my first shotgun was a Remington 870 youth model. Still have it, pump shotgun. A 20-gauge? A 20-gauge. Oh, nice. I've got one, too. It's, it, you can't break it. No, no. You really can't. It, they're built like a tank. They are. I mean, it's a great starter shotgun. and um, But, yeah, I've been doing it predominantly here in southeast Texas. Um, within the past few years, I've gotten my own dog. I've gotten my own buggy. I've learned how to call. I've, I'm, doing, I'm doing decoys. I mean, all the things for duck hunting. And I've been wanting to share that more with women. 100%. So, I mean, that's definitely something that seems to be in my lifetime that's growing in this industry. You see, it's, it's more common to see a group of, of girls that go out on a girl hunt, you know, and it's something that's kind of always been associated with a bunch of guys going to do it, right? Yes. So, do you have a good bit of friends, I'm assuming, that kind of do the same thing? I do locally as well as all around the country. I have wow. friends in Washington, Missouri, Kansas. I mean, Florida, I mean, let's see. Last weekend, I went on a sword fishing trip down in Port Mansfield, and I met a girl from California and a girl from Georgia, and we've been chit-chatting. We're already planning things for next season and stuff. So Nice. So you, were, you got into this at extremely, you were very young when you got into this, and it was all kind of predominantly from your father. What, was some of the, uh, what were some of the trips that really solidified you sticking with it, I guess? Um, growing up, I mean, going down in the marsh with my cousins mm -hmm. and everything and doing that, alligators, teal, I mean, fishing, all that, as well as um, going out to, to the deer lease down in, uh, let's see, we were over in Brackettville in Uvalde okay. yeah, area. I'm familiar okay. with that, yeah. And I remember it would be like youth weekend and I'd be the only girl yeah. running around and... I mean, I'd be shooting deer and gutting them and all the things and all <laughs> and that. And it never, never bothered you? It never bothered me. And I remember some of the other dads would bring their daughters too. And they were like, I don't like this. You like this? And I was like, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. So you are, if you were to just kind of the bigger picture of things, what would you say you dedicate the majority of your time to? Is it waterfowl? As far like from a hunting perspective? I would say waterfowl for the most part, although I really do love uh, big game as well as exotics. I mean, especially whenever it's not waterfowl season, I love to go for the exotics in Texas because I okay. mean, all the different ranches, they offer exotics. And so I can kind of get my hunting fixed throughout the year. So I will tell you, I don't want to stop you, you know, or cut you off, but that's something that I don't really, I hadn't done a whole lot. So kind of walk me through some of those experiences. What are some <laughs> of those exotics that you've got to shoot? Um, let's see, I've shot Axis, okay. Oryx, a Zebra, Buffalo, and Black Buck. And my favorite to eat actually is the zebra. Okay. Okay. I was about to say. Really? Like, yes. I would have never with the zebra. Um, I've made zebra spaghetti, uh, ze Mongolian zebra in an Instapot. Like, and this, really? this is another thing is I want to start sharing all my recipes and how I'm cooking and preparing these exotic animals and stuff like that. Um, let's see. I've done diver duck egg rolls. A lot of people will not touch a diver duck or will okay. not eat it. And I will make it into egg rolls. And people are like, this is actually delicious. So, I mean, this hunting season, you're going to come down here and teach us how to cook, right? I'll be happy to, yeah. Put, a, put yeah. on a cooking class. I'll be happy to. We are all very guilty, and I'm sure there's a lot of people <laughs> listening right now. There's a lot of people guilty that are, that are they're going to put it in, a, they're going to fry it, mm -hmm. put it in a gravy. Yep. 
or they're going to do the poppers. That's right? right. And I'm one of those guys. I don't really deviate from those yeah, one or two things. A, a gumbo. Yeah. I like, so one of my favorites is duck and zebra gumbo. So I had the zebra made into like a sausage, and I'll put that in with my duck from a gumbo, and it's actually really good. That's the most okay. bizarre thing I've ever heard on this podcast. That is awesome. <laughs> so it, out of out of all those exotics, which one would you say was the, your favorite? Zebra is definitely my favorite. As far as the hunt, um, Axis is really fun mm-hmm. to hunt because, I mean, you're typically in more of West Texas, South Texas, and they really do blend in. Oh, 100%. They can really blend in. And so it, it's predominantly uh, spot and stalk hunting that I've been doing. And so that's been a really fun experience. And I'll go with different guides or different um, ranches. And, and also, I mean, I've shot some large whitetails and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, the, and it's fun because people are like, oh, it's funny because people are like, oh, you shot it on like on a rope kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh, yeah, I know, so. I mean. I've been asked to go to different ranches and shoot large deer, and then they use it for marketing and stuff like that. I mean, for sure. I I'm it. I'm happy with what I shot and everything. Yeah, and hey, right, they're yeah. mounted and look nice in the house and everything. But you know, yeah, it's such a controversial subject, the high fence oh, in that, general. Yeah, the yes, high fence. You know? and I don't know if you know this, but when I came out of high school, really, I had a, a group of buddies that we ran around with, and we all decided one day that we were going to get into the deer business. And so we kind of dabbled off into this as a bunch of dumb college kids at this time. But there was such a misconception with kind of a, a, the high fence industry in general. And right now, there's such a divide. You're mm-hmm. high fence or you're not. Yep. The way that we were pushing this is our marketing strategy was we were going to breed as many str- like healthy, genetically normal, typical whitetails and sell them to ranches that really wanted to introduce this really nice typical mainframe genetic population uh, or genetic pool into their their land and so what we found out is there's there's different people you have different buyers some mm-hmm. people could care less some people want to wheel them in off the trailer and they want to come in there the next day they want to sell you know to, uh, doctors and lawyers and things like that but then you have people who truly want to build a really good herd so People don't see that side of things and don't understand how much goes into bringing that deer to that ranch. And so I definitely completely understand where you're coming from. There is a lot of that. I mean, I also have my degree in interior design and there we have to design around some people's animals and their mounts because typically the wives are like, I don't want any dead things hanging in the house. So that was kind of something fun that I got to incorporate and do. And I remember there was a football player, it was an NFL football player, and he didn't even care. He just wanted a deer on the wall. So mm-hmm. I think he paid someone to actually go shoot it for him and then put it on the I mean, and it was so <laughs> oh, cute. No, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a huge deer. We had to decorate all around it and design all around it and everything. And it, it's just that it, there's different buyers for all parts of the market. You 100%. have the people that want the typical. You have the people want the crazy 300, 400-inch exactly. plus deer. I mean, it just depends. I mean, and it's neat also seeing just how the genetics are yeah. and how they go through. I mean, you're just like, oh, that's a doe. No, that's a very special doe yeah, kind of thing. Exactly. Who's carrying some crazy genetics. Well, and you can see that on these, obviously a big buck, you could say, okay, that, that deer has really, really good genetics. But people don't think about who is his mom. That's right. You know, what tag number is his mom? Because she mm-hmm. just threw this 150-inch two-year-old, like mainframe, and... Like you said, there's people that really, there's such a divide in that industry. But the uh, caveat to that is when you do have a high fence 
ranch, you can control what your neighbor shoots. That's right. You know, and so our biggest problem here in Southeast Texas is there's no such thing as watching a 130 inch three year old. That doesn't happen. If he jumps Billy Bob's fence, he's getting whacked (laughs) on opening morning. Or out of season. Exactly. No, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a big deal around here, you know, and it was, um, it's slowed down from what, you know, used to happen back in the day, but I'll, I'll never forget. Uh, we had a biologist that worked directly with us when we were doing this and we were talking about the genetic strain of whitetail that were around the lakes, Toledo Bend and Sam Rayburn. And if you notice that statistically, there's a lot of really big deer that get killed off of public land. And what he was telling me, which this was a new thing for me, but back in the day, candlelight hunting or whatever you want to call it, shooting from the roadway uh, was such a huge deal that the population around the lakes was basically decimated. And so the state went in and bought a bunch of deer from South Texas that were a high, you know, on a high fence ranch and they dumped them out at the lakes. And so to this day, some of those deer at, that are killed at the lakes, that genetic pool can be tested back to pure oh, wow. south. Or, or not pure south anymore, but south Texas genetics. And so just the more you know, you know. I mean, that it, was, is neat. it was definitely a new thing for me. Also, I mean, we used to be able to, I mean, in Texas, you could hunt with dogs, yeah. too. Yeah. And they stopped all that. And so, I mean, that kind of helped where actually deer were able to actually grow. And not that long ago, we had mm-hmm. a guy on here that actually guides with me, Chad McCowan. And he told the story about his grandfather getting shot in like Lumberton mm-hmm. from buckshot from running dogs. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh, that reminds me. I, I did a show after we did that one. Do you still have that? 4570 lever action. I do. Yeah. Okay. She was that, talked yeah. about yeah. on there. Yes. I shot so, um, the I, I zebra with it. that. Oh, no man, way. Yeah. So Ch- what that. did Chad sell that gun or how did that? He I built was, it. it okay. He had bought it. He worked on it. He changed some stuff up and he just put it in a gun shop, I guess, on consignment. And then she ended up buying it. Man, I forgot about that. I was going to say. I like, just put you still, together. I'm glad you I, said that. If you still had it, I was going to say, bring it if you don't mind. Yeah. No, yeah. I do. Um, I have that. I shot the buffalo because it's a buffalo gun. I mean, that's what they yeah, were originally yeah, that, known. Yeah, like a true buffalo. It, that's yeah. I shot an actual buffalo with it. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how was that? Like, it was, uh, hunt. Just walk me through that experience. So um, it was pretty neat. I mean, it was in uh, Johnson City area, kind of west okay. of Austin, and uh, they are tough. They are a tough animal. I mean, those those bullets there are big, and yeah. that gun oh, yeah. it kicks. It's a lever action, and um, I shot it first and went straight through the heart because we actually did take out the heart and you could see exactly where that bullet went through and everything. Really? Uh, I, then it still wouldn't go down. Um, shot it again, broke its right shoulder and then shot it again and it went through and it broke its other shoulder. Wow. Yeah. And finally it went down. But I mean, didn't run a whole bunch, which was nice. But I mean, it took about a solid three hours to clean. Really? That buffalo. I bet so. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, that, but that's a lot of meat. Oh, it was. Uh, yes, it was great. It filled up the freezer. Um, it was right after COVID and everything, where it was kind of like that meat scare mm-hmm. and everything. And I was like, I'm going to go fill up the freezer and I'm going to go fi- shoot a buffalo. Makes it nice. How big's your freezer? I have three. <laughs> <laughs> so it filled up all three of them. Two of them, yes. I mean, because that, that's what, like 800 pounds of meat? It was a lot. Yeah. I brought it to the uh, processor. I use a guy over in Port Natchez, and he it was about four coolers full. And he was like, what is this? And I have brought the craziest things to him that he has never processed. And he'd be like, what do you have for me today kind of thing. Oh, you know he's taking at least like a little portion oh, yeah. that you don't know I'm about. Like, you like, can have well, some. I've never had zebra. I'm going to take some of this, yep. you know. Got to see what it's all about. 
Well, and he processed the zebra just like you would a whitetail. I mean, I had the back strap, I had it tenderized, I had it staked, I had um, link sausage, I had patty sausage, I had ground meat. I mean, it's it's really, and we did the roast too. Zebra roast is really good. Like doing the Mississippi crock pot roast mm-hmm. oh, is delicious. Carrots and potatoes yep. and all that. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. It's really good. <laughs> so walk me through a few of your recipes. Like I, I'm, I'm, I am... Right now, to be honest with you, before we got on here, I did not realize how in-depth you were with the big game portion of things. Mm-hmm. And so you're talking about things that are completely Spanish to me. You know, <laughs> I've, I've, I've killed a few axes, but they've all been does. I've, I've got, I've been in Justin's ear, uh, De Villiers' ear, who was on our last episode. They've got a place out west. And so I told him I want my wife to kill a whitetail and I want to shoot an axis. If you get an opening, let me know. I've got the checkbook ready to go. There you go. Um, but some of these recipes, I mean, just with some of these exotic species, I mean, kind of walk me through some of that. I Wherever ground meat or wherever steak is, you just replace you it, just with it with exotic meat. And um, I mean, like Mississippi crock pot roast. I mean, typically that'd be like a beef roast or mm-hmm. a, a pork roast or something. I just, I'll put an oryx roast in there. I'll put a whitetail, put an axis, put black buck. I mean, oh, and fallow. I've shot some fallow before. I just, and then zebra roast, throw it in there. And I don't cook it as long because it's not as fatty. It is, it is more lean. And I mean, it's funny because people will come over and they'll eat it and they're like, what am I eating? It's kind of like meat roulette at the house. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes they're like, what? And there are some people that are like a hard no on that zebra because they say it's a horse. For sure. I can see that. I mean, but I also can understand why Europeans I, eat I, horse. I, I, yeah, I'd try it. I really can. I, I can understand it. why. It's a delicious meat. It's very high in protein. It's very lean. I mean, it tastes great. It's kind of like yeah. a sweet beef in a way. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's yeah. bizarre. I'll make some for you. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> well, we're going to have to make that happen. Yeah. We're here every Saturday and Sunday. And after duck hunts, I can promise you, if you warmed up a, a piece of dog crap... <laughs> Half of us after getting out of the marsh would eat it. So, oh, yeah. yeah, we would eat anything. Also, um, alligator, too. I love doing I make an alligator cubion. Okay. Okay. It's yeah. really yeah. good. Kind of like a catfish cubion. And I, back when I was in Missouri, um, I was helping a friend. She has a outfitter up there in uh, Mound City, Missouri. And she was like, will you please load up some coolers full of meat? And come cook. So is this a waterfowl outfit? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And so it was during a spring conservation season for snow geese. And I cooked, I was there for about a month and cooked a whole really? bunch of food. So yeah. how was that? I mean, did you get to hunt a mm-hmm. good bit too? Oh yeah. It was, that was really neat. Um, they have the Los Bluffs refuge there and there was about 2 million snow geese in there. And to go and just witness that was the cra- one of the craziest sights I probably have ever seen, especially... Oh, wow. I mean, especially when it comes to, I mean, they're just walking down. It's a 10 mile like drive around the actual refuge. And to be able to just see all the geese, I mean, you're looking at Canada's, you have swans, you have pintails with like the biggest sprigs ever. You have the spoonies that are just Mr. Hollywood. Absolutely amazing. That's my Spoon favorite. and crockets. That's my favorite duck. <laughs> my favorite duck is a Hollywood. Yep. I mean, you have the bald eagles. And so... What's crazy is you have spring conservation season going on. And so you have all the little like wounded ones that are coming back and yeah. they're going into the refuge and you just coyotes and bald eagles. They love it in oh, there because they can just, they have free food basically. But that was a super neat experience and being able to kind of bring my Southern cooking up to the Midwest yeah. was a lot of fun. It's funny you say that because I have two topics to talk about. So one, 
uh, two episodes ago, we had Tony Viator on. Tony right now is in Canada, whitetail hunting. And so he was talking about, we were texting back and forth, and he was sitting on the stand, and it really messed me up because it was 9 o'clock here. And he was like, yeah, we, we hunt until, I think he said 10 o'clock at night or oh, something. Wow. Like, it, it doesn't get dark until extremely late. And we were just kind of discussing that back and forth. And I said, well, how's the food? And he said, oh, it's okay. And, you know, we were talking about it. But basically, we have some of the best food around here. We've got such a good blend of the Tex-Mex, you know, with the Cajun right. cuisine. Yeah. You know, it, it's such a good blend of everything. And you don't realize it until you go somewhere else. Right. We're, we're in a nice little pocket of yeah, the we really oh, yeah. United States. Well, I mean, we have great seafood. I mean, we're right here next to the Gulf and everything. So, I mean, Absolutely. shrimp, I mean, fish, all that. We have great fish. I mean, and then we have also, I mean, all of our hunting and everything. I mean, all the waterfowl and all that. I mean, a lot of, again, a lot of people that don't like the diver ducks and everything, they'll throw them away, feed them the dogs, whatever. And For those, sure. I mean, I try to utilize as much meat as I possibly can from anything that I do kill. A hundred percent. And, and the second point that I was going to bring up is when we had Viator on, we were talking about back in the back in the day, right, in the 70s and, and how Southeast Texas has really changed from a waterfowl perspective. And one of the videos that we had really circulating through the social media cyber waves is Tony talking about the snow geese. Tony and John were talking about the snow geese <clears throat> that used to be down here in Winnie. Mm -hmm. And it, there's no secret. They don't there's not as many as there used to be, nope. you know, there, I don't, whatever reason you want to cast it blame. There's, there's a bunch of different reasons in my opinion, but there were so many people up in arms. Like we have more snow geese now and all this stuff. I'm like, guys, I'm not saying there's not as many snow geese in general. Yeah. Somebody commented on there. Did Lubbock disappear? I'm like, <laughs> Nope. Still 11 hours away. Right where we left it. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, guys, we're not saying that <laughs> snow geese don't exist. We're just saying that they're not in Southeast Texas like they not used really. to be. You know, right, but it's right. just when you hear of you talk about two million geese on a refuge, like that's probably the norm for them every single year. It really, it oh, is they, a place. And they for probably them. hate it. The farmers hate it. They call them white devils. Yeah, oh, like yeah. they do. Like they hate the. They call them white birds, white devils. They they hate the we're birds. Gonna, we're gonna have to go up to the Midwest and save the tundra. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Sure. Definitely, you need to do it. It is. <laughs> And it's crazy because the birds actually get so smart because you have the juvie birds and then you have the adult birds. And so whenever you have those adult birds, they know. You can literally watch them just tornado up from the refuge and they skip all the fields right around. Really? And they go miles away to fields to get the food. Then they'll come back and they just tornado back down. Yeah. Oh, there's a reason a lot of those birds are, what, 15, 20 years old. You it's know? neat uh, whenever someone shoots a band and being able to see how old they are. Yeah, and that's the <clears throat> one of the biggest bucket list things I have is to kill a banded snow. And I kill like five snows a year. It's not going to happen <laughs> in my lifetime, you know. But Oh, no, we're, we're going to have to. Go to Missouri. Yep, yeah. there we go. <laughs> yeah, But see, at that point, like, you know, who shot it? You know, when you've got 10 guns and everybody's like. You they know, draw. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because uh, there, was, there was a banded bird that was shot. They took a bunch of shotgun shells, but they shoved a feather down in one of the shotgun shells, oh. shook them up in a bucket, and whoever drew it, they got it. But they also have, it's like bandedbird.com or something, mm -hmm. Yeah, and you can get a replica band That's now. That's right. Yeah, I ordered a bunch. Uh, I had some made for a bunch of my buddies, uh, as a matter of fact, from bandedbird.com, and they turned out really good. You got one, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. It's it's on my call in here. Yeah, I've yeah. got, everybody out here has got one. So, um, yeah, so... As far as I want to, I want to take a step back. I, I skip past something that I make. I want to make sure I give you credit for. So, what do you do on a day to day basis? <laughs> so I, I'm actually in real estate, okay. kind of more of a real estate entrepreneur. Um, 
I help people buy and sell real estate, but I also flip houses and stuff like that. And I help redesign homes and remodel homes and all that as well. You said something that just really was, you know, interest, interested me. And it's the interior design and how you talk about the NFL player and stuff. So how often do you run across a scenario where you're trying to blend the husband's needs to the wife's needs? And I know with my wife, <laughs> I got the man cave right in my house. You have this one bedroom, and that's where you put all your mounts, all your crap. But yeah, w whatever you want, just this is your space. Oh, yeah. She was so mad because when we bought the house, we were, we were gutting it and kind of flipping it. My main priority was man cave. Mm -hmm. I had to paint it green. It's like a <laughs> – she calls it dookie green, but it's, <laughs> it's like this, you know, uh, sage green. It, it, it's, per se. it's an olive drab. Oh, yeah. And I there just – I measured everything out, and I'm like – one deer here, evenly spaced with another deer here, bear rug here, another deer here. But one day, I don't remember if she sent it to me or I sent it to her, but it was something that came across on Facebook or something, and maybe even Pinterest. I don't know. I was looking for all kinds of ideas. And I showed it to her, and it's, it's a deer in the living room, right? But it spells home with a capital H, a big aluminum H. And I think it's it's the O, I think. Yeah, the yeah. deer is the O. Mm -hmm. he's, he's got that. I got that. Was my, my one deer in the living room. So you'd be proud of me on my interior design <laughs> stuff. I got one in there the living you go. room. Um, duck or design. She is on Instagram and she actually her. incorporates beautiful like work with the ducks and the geese and swans and everything. And she's actually been a huge inspiration as far as how I've designed the house. But I mean, we have, there's mounts and dead things everywhere. Like so that was my next question. Everywhere. Every, yeah. Like everywhere. Like, so what all do you have mounted? Oh, goodness. Um, so we have the buffalo head in the living room. Um, we have part of an alligator hide in the living room. We on have, the floor or wall? It's on the wall. Okay. Um, and then I do have a 10-foot alligator that I'm waiting to come back. That's a full rug. That he'll have to go on the wall upstairs or somewhere. We're going to have to make room for him. Um, let's see. We have geese that are flying. We have geese that are posed and standing. We have my teal trio. That was my goal last season was to get the teal trio, the teal grand slam. Did and you do that all in one place? I did it within about a three week period in okay. three different places. That's even cooler. I, I got my blue wing teal here in uh, Southeast Texas. I got my green wing teal in Oklahoma. And then I went to California and got my cinnamon teal. I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm jealous. And I trucked along my, uh, my green wing teal, my blue wing teal to California because the guide I was using, he was also a taxidermist. And so he nice. mounted all three together for me. Cool. And then we have Mr. Hollywood, of course. And then in the guest bedroom, I have one of my fallows and I have some wood ducks that are at the taxidermist and they'll be getting in there next. And then office, we have a black buck, a fallow and an axis. And we have also a zebra rug in the living room because, I mean, I had to make him into a rug. And <laughs> oh, he 100%. Makes, makes a pretty rug. Yeah. I mean, going up the state, we have Joel's, uh, my husband, his Oryx, and my Oryx in the bedroom. And then upstairs, going up the stairs, we have uh, Axis, Whitetail, Audad, Black Buck, some Rams. And then upstairs, I also have my two large Whitetails that I shot as well. Nice. What did those whitetail score? Do oh, you goodness. Uh, one was a 298 and one was a 308. Oh, my God. Jeez. So, like, Mondo whitetail. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. Yes. They're on a real pretty pedestal in the, the corner. wall pedestal. She was yeah. not kidding when she said 
too big white there. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, to me, big is like, hey, I'm from Sour Lake, Texas. Like, you shoot 135-inch whitetail in Sour I'm Lake. I'm happy with those, too. Yeah, like, no, I, I'm happy with those as well. Yep, I'm with you. I, there's a, there's a, I have an appreciation for both. I do, too. So, if you don't mind me asking, who, who, uh, what taxidermist do you use around here? Do you have anyone in particular that you really like? I love Ty's Taxidermy as okay. far as for my exotics and whitetails and everything. They do a lot of like New Zealand and Africa hunting as well. They're partnered with, I think, Lynn Chroma. Okay. And so they do excellent work. They really do. They did my zebra rug as well. They've done oryx rugs for me. Um, as far as waterfowl, kind of wherever I shot it, if I was at that place for specifically, sure. I would kind of leave it there because sometimes it's hard to travel back. Um, and then, I mean, my goal next is to have some fish that are worthy of mounting. Yeah. So what's the fish bucket list? Well, I, I got a special trip last, what was it? Two weeks ago. I was able to go. It was, I was told by one of my good friends, it was for redfish. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll go catch some redfish. I literally packed up my like wade fishing gear, <laughs> yeah, yeah. my little rod, my little Waterloo rod and everything. Yeah. We show up and the guy was like, no, we're going for red snapper. And I was like, okay, well that's completely different. <laughs> yeah, then yeah. it turned into swordfish. <laughs> oh, and yeah. so that was a super neat experience. I've, I've trolled and stuff for like Marlin and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff before, but to, we caught eight swordfish. And it's all deep dropping. Like it they're is dropping straight 2000 down. feet down. Gotcha. I mean, straight down, it was, I, of course, I'm sitting there asking all the questions yeah. to the, to the captain and he's sitting there and explaining and everything. And it was neat. Cause he actually would explain it and yeah. like, not in a rude way, not like, Hey, hush, just, just reel it in kind of thing. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. he actually was teaching us and it was a girl's trip. And so it was, a, it was a really neat experience, but we caught about one every hour that we were on wow. the water. Which is really good from, I mean, uh, the guys that I know that do it, I think to go catch a couple is like a really good day. Yes. And so we um, caught four and kept them and then we caught four and tagged them and released them. And so that was a really neat experience. And then we had two that were on the line, but they got off kind gotcha. of thing. Um, but that was a super neat experience. I mean, we're about 60-something miles out of Port Mansfield, and it was, we were doing straight down 2,000 feet. I mean, and you are reeling that sucker for a long time. Yeah. Straight oh, I up. Only imagine. <laughs> imagine. I became a master of the electric reel. Yeah. And where yeah. I would just sit there and press the button. I was about to say, I think I mean, you almost have to. You're sitting there, and you're watching a rod for a solid 30, 45 minutes where, I mean, it literally just goes like this. And that's whenever you have to hurry up and reel it in. Really? Mm -hmm. And he would coach you through it and he'd be like, okay, now hold it. And then it would hit it again because they're actually hitting it with the their bill or their sword. Gotcha, gotcha. Just trying and to so kill it, I guess. And so they're knocking it and it's a it's squid. Gotcha. And so um, they're not, he, they would knock it and then it would drop. And then you'd pretend like it was dead. And then that's whenever you could feel it actually take on the bait. And then that's whenever you'd start actually reeling it in. So he was coaching you through it. That was a super neat experience. Again, it was kind of like a once-in-a-lifetime thing. And he yeah. even was like, okay, y'all got beginner's luck for sure because this is not normal. Yeah. I was like, I can never go sword fishing again because I would be too spoiled right. for yeah, this. Sure. <laughs> cool. yeah. So did y'all snap or fish at all? No, we didn't. Yeah. We just went straight for the swordfish. Um, we had, they had that storm that had just come oh, through. Yeah, yeah. And so the currents and kind of stuff, they were all kind of off and everything. So he was like, let's just go for swordfish. And it worked out. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. I can imagine after fighting that many swordfish, you could probably care less about a snapper anyways. Oh, yeah. <laughs> have you have you eaten any of the swordfish yet? No, we haven't. Um, there's a ton in the freezer. Cool. And so we went home with a lot of meat and or a lot of fish, and uh, it was a lot of. I mean, it. I'm excited. He kind of gave me some ideas on how to cook it, 
But I also have a really old recipe book from like South Louisiana. And really? so it had, um, it was like swordfish meniere or something. Really? And so I'm going to try that out. Nice. Yeah. So one thing I want to go back to that I still am just fascinated with is the interior design <laughs> with animals. <laughs> what are some things that you look for? Like if you're going to, hypothetically, if I wanted to incorporate some waterfowl mounts in, in my living room, right? And what are some things that you try to blend in to make this stuff flow, is, if that makes any sense? Really, it's all about the poses. Okay. It. I mean, I think whenever a lot of wives look at it, they're just like, look at this dead animal on, on a the white wall. blank space on wall. a blank yeah. space, like, and or it's flying or whatever. And that, I mean, if you, you can have it to where it's like tucked or preening or something for where sure. it looks like it's actually kind of like an action kind of pose for the duck or the goose. And then you can throw some like cocktail books around it um, on the cocktail table. I mean, I kind of have them on some shelves on each side of the fireplace. And then, of course, I have my little cute little fake plants and my yeah. little frilly things and all that. And so it's um, actually there's a design term that's going around and it's called dopamine design. And it's whatever makes you happy to design with that. So gotcha. that's actually something I've started incorporating within my design. It's like, this makes me happy. I'm just going to work around this kind yeah. of thing. And Well, well yeah. the lady that you had mentioned previously, I know, I don't know, I don't know if for certain that I follow her, but I have seen her work. And I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the same person because there's things that are in this that are incorporated into this scene that I never in a million years would have thought mm -hmm. about. And it's like a kind of a, glittery vase with yep. a, a duck and a couple other things but like that looks really good and it does you know it just surprised me so it was interesting to hear you talk about that i'm gonna have to post some pictures of kind of how i've set up some things but i mean like the it's like the big beads and stuff mm -hmm. those are like popular and like the big um it's like wooden chain link that people are putting on top of like a cocktail book and then like the trays are putting on the cocktail tables or the coffee tables and so just being like, I have like, I think an antler in with all that. And then like some big old crystal thing. I mm -hmm. mean, it's just, it's how you just kind of colors. I mean, ducks are actually beautiful and they have beautiful coloration, 100%. but yet they can also kind of be a neutral item as well where it's, it's a conversation piece. And that's, what's really, I guess, neat. And so it, and it kind of causes for people to kind of ask a question of like, tell me the story of this duck tell me the story of this yeah. goose. Tell yeah. me the story of this Buffalo kind of yeah. thing. So yeah. it's fun. So would a, uh, Hollywood with Mardi Gras beads be shunned upon? No. <laughs> Cause that, that, I think that would give me that, a lot that's of joy. The, uh, <laughs> uh, that's the foul follower. Yeah. Thing. That's the foul follower. Yeah. Oh yeah. He has like a sticker or something. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. But I would really like to do that one day. And he has the shrimp boots on too. I know. Yeah. Or is yeah. the, yeah. the speck with that's the shrimp boots? That's the speck boots. with yes. the shrimp boots. Uh, yeah. I, I think the, the Spoonie has it too. The little, uh, the Hackberry high tops. Well, mm -hmm. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to be the spoiler, but we're working on some pretty cool stuff with those guys. So we're going to, we're going to awesome. come out with some pretty cool stuff here before long. But, uh, did you ever see Brett Hatcher's Spoonie? I did see Brett Hatcher's Spoonie. I, I, I saw it made its way across Facebook too. Like, People loved it or hated it. It was a spoonbill, and it was like a little patch of dirt. And there was a lacrosse hip boot stomping oh it. <laughs> yeah, it was a very controversial picture that went around. I know. It, I mean, it's a beautiful mount. It really is. Oh, yeah. And there's always a stigma with spoonies because, you know, I will put it to you this way. 
my grandfather was hunting. I can't remember what year my grandfather was born. He died 15 years ago, 10 years ago. I'll put it to you this way. I have a banded pintail drake that he killed in 1968. Oh, wow. So he was doing this for a long time. And I'll never forget when I was in high school, uh, our common denominator, the things that we always talked about was duck hunting because he trampled through all this marsh back here when it was like you show up with a $5 bill or whatever it was and, and come hunt. And I was showing him pictures, and he saw that there was a spoonbill in my picture. And his eyes lit up, and he looked <laughs> at me. He's like, what are you doing shooting spoonbills? <laughs> like, what do you mean? Why would I not shoot spoonbills? Like, it's the cool thing to do. But at the time... He started telling me that, like, back in the day, it was a joke in the blind where, like, the new guy or the guy on the right side or left side, you would try to trick him into shooting a spoonbill, almost like it was a, a chichi bird or something. Like, mm -hmm. oh, get ready on the left side, you know. It's like shooting a coot or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. They would try to trick the guy into shooting a, a, a spoonbill, and they just didn't didn't believe in it. So that's where that, that's, that stigma comes from. But, yeah, I remember I was picking up a pintail from Bubba Andrus, mm -hmm. walked in there, and on the table, there's this lacrosse hip boot just sitting there, a spoonbill under. I'm like, man, whose is that? <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know exactly which mount. And Brett's going to listen to this. He listened to our episode oh, yeah, from the other yeah. day. He listened to it this morning. So, uh, Brett, you need to step it up if you're listening to this. We need to see some I, more mounts come out of you. I want to know if he still has that mount. Oh, I guarantee you he has that mount. But it's, he, he's had about 15 houses since then, so he might have he's might have thrown it right, in with it, the, that, or it may have flooded. Yeah, I mean, we were we were in a group text today, and he was talking about all the the cats in it. He was like, "Man, we need to get everybody in this group chat to come sit down and record a podcast." I'm like, "It would be the best thing ever," but it was all it would also be the biggest cluster. I mean, we're, oh yeah, we are we're very hard on each other. <laughs> like, teal season's right around the corner. And most likely, if you have a teal hunt booked, you're going to be coming through Winnie, Texas. While you're doing so, make sure to check out Moots Barbecue. This ain't no Dickies in the side of a Chevron, let me tell you. This is craft barbecue coming from a small town cattle company. Not only does their barbecue make this ad easy, it also helps with the next one. While you're in Moots Barbecue, make sure you check out Alligator Sausage Co. They're offering a wide variety of Southeast Texas Cajun cuisine items that are extremely unique and extremely tasty. So be sure to check out our friends over in Winnie at Moots Barbecue and pick up some Alligator Sausage Co. Well, I mean, that's, that's another thing, like girls hunt. Like, oh. <laughs> what, what's, what's the blind talk like? Okay, Just like y'all's. It is exactly like ours. It's just like oh, y'all's. Okay, okay. I, I, I didn't know. Mm -hmm. I guided a girl's hunt, <laughs> and I was flabbergasted. <laughs> Normally, the guides are very flabbergasted I at what we talk about. I was mind blown. I was sitting in a blind with, I'm not going to name them, but it was, <laughs> it was five women from this area, and they were having the time of their life, and I was trying to block out these conversations. <laughs> it's normally what I would And they just so. forgot I existed in the corner of the blind until <laughs> I was like, y'all get ready. And there's a duck, and they're like, wait. We're duck hunting. <laughs> Let me stop this conversation. But the things that were discussed, they would look over and they're like, are you listening to this? I'm like, no, like, no, what? no, I didn't hear what? anything. <laughs> I had the time of my life. It was probably, I will say, I've been guiding for about four years. I think it's probably the most fun hunt I've ever been on. <laughs> we are a lot of fun whenever we hunt. And you have a lot of women, they're getting away from their husbands. They're mm -hmm. getting away from kids. 
or they're a single woman and they're just like, hey, I'm interacting with other cool chicks doing cool things. Yeah. But I mean, we can talk about some crazy things. I mean, probably crazier things. And Oh, 100%. <laughs> y'all are tougher than us. I mean, y'all are tougher than us in, in, a, in a sense. You guys, you ladies are tougher than us. And, uh, you know, I've, I've learned that, you know, and, and it's just, like I said, some of the conversations that they were having, I'm like, I, I shouldn't be here. Like, I should stick my head underwater right now or put some earmuffs <laughs> on because I don't think I should be hearing this, you know? Oh, man. But. It's definitely entertaining. I mean, and that's how we get to know each other. I mean, it's like how, I mean, guys, y'all go golf, you, you're duck hunting, sure. whatever, you're in the blind. And, and just so, dog each other the whole time. Yeah, I mean, well, we actually... They, they don't do We that. don't dog each other. Yeah. We'll pick at each other, but it's more we're more or less picking on whoever, like... If they're dating someone, we're like, you deserve better kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> like, we're kind of sharing those kind of stories. Or kids being crazy and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's it's pretty entertaining. It really is. Well, it's almost like, like it's funny you said that. It is a different sense of, like, my friend group, it is constant ragging on each other, mm -hmm. talking crap. You know, but y'all, uh, I haven't hunted with you in particular, but this group in particular, it was it was pretty positive. It was just a lot of funny stories and stuff that, you know. Oh, yeah. It's just a different mentality, different, you know. It is. I mean, uh, within the women community, I mean, we've all really kind of banded together. Um, and we all are rooting for each other. Mm -hmm. I know with men, it's kind of like, oh, I have to go shoot the biggest buck or I have yeah. to go shoot the first banded bird or I have to get the biggest sprig. We are really wanting, I mean, there definitely is competition involved with, with women, with women hunts. There's definitely competition but we really are rooting for each other because we are wanting everyone to get a positive experience from it. Because sometimes some women, they don't get a positive. They, they may be like, okay, my husband's bringing me hunting and they have the most miserable experience because they're not properly prepared. Mm -hmm. They don't have enough layers on or the mosquitoes are absolutely horrific and they are not prepared that way. Also, we love snacks. We yeah. have to have all the snacks. Like we will have backpacks and blind bags full of snacks. Like For sure. we're happy whenever we have snacks. So we all, and it's funny because the amount of snacks that will be pulled out during a girl's hunt, <laughs> I mean, you have a, a whole buffet option. And it's funny because the guide's always sitting there like, oh man, okay. And then we're sitting there feeding the guide all the snacks too yeah, kind of thing. We're just not prepared. No. We're not prepared like you guys are. You just want to shoot the ducks. Yeah. Th that's all you want to do. That's yeah. all you're focused on, ducks. It's a miracle if I put my pants on in the yeah. morning when I'm leaving the house. <laughs> you know? Yes. So that brings me to another question that I do want to ask. What is in your blind bag when you're oh going out goodness. to the marsh? Um, a charcuterie well, board. I, so on <laughs> the sword fishing trip, I had a snackle box prepared. A snackle box. <laughs> I love it. I did. And it's a new like, term. yes, it's real. And so I have, I have Victor one, but um, it's a Bass Pro Shop tackle box. With, with the dividers. With the dividers, with little meats and cheeses and crackers and nuts and little pickles and olives. It's a charcuterie <laughs> board and a tackle box, so it's called a snackle box. I love it. <laughs> so that, so when are you coming home with us? Whatever, whatever y'all want to. So what else? So you she'll, got your snackle box. She'll bring the zebra and the snacks. Yes. So you said that you, you learned to call. Yes. Okay, so how, how was that? I mean... Who taught? Did you have? Was it YouTube. your dad? YouTube. YouTube. No shame. Yeah. 100%. YouTube. Um, I've watched a lot of Duck Commander. Yeah. YouTube videos. Um, also, there's a few women that I've met through different Facebook groups because we actually have a like. There's hardcore waterfowler. I know that's like a big Facebook yeah. group. Yeah. Um, but there we actually have like women waterfowler groups and they're private groups and there's 
women in there that will be like, hey, I'm doing a course or hey, I'm doing a like a Zoom call. Do you kind of, do you want to learn? Um, and then just trial and error too while I'm out hunting. I'm like, the duck did not listen to that. Yeah, so for sure. that clearly did not work. And um, so teal call, I pretty much, I have that down. Wood duck call, have that down. Mallard call, I mean, that feed chuckle, yeah. I'm still trying to learn that one. Yeah. I mean, it is difficult. It's a learning curve. It is. And Joel makes fun of me. So he's like, yeah, be deeper. I'm like, I'm not a man. Yeah. <laughs> and so it is about finding a call that works for, sure. for women and how our tones are compared to like a man's voice and stuff like that. Do you like have that. one in particular that you feel works best i like the sure shot the okay. yen, they came out with the new yensen yeah. which is their acrylic one and so i do have uh one of those and then um i have another company that one of my girlfriends she recommended and so i'm going to test out one of their mallard calls as well cool yeah cool deal yeah i just <clears throat> learned how to call i just remember sitting on the porch with my dad with a spread of haydale's calls and a haydale cassette tape and we'd sit out there for hours and just do that but it I mean, was, that, that's just a, a fun childhood memory of mine yeah no that's awesome getting into it i can remember one experience where i'd started to pick it up and my grandfather kind of coached me a little bit but my dad was not a waterfowl hunter and so i was kind of on my own and like you said youtube Duck Commander, whatever I could get my YouTube hands on. University. That's right. And I was in the parking lot of Hardin Jefferson High School every single morning in my truck, blowing the damn duck call. And I've got buddies that still make fun of me about it. You know, it's just like, oh yeah, Keenan, that duck call always in the you know <laughs> parking lot. But that's how I. I mean, it. That's the best place to practice. Just have it in the truck with you and just. That's what I've done. I mean, whenever I drive to Missouri, I literally just thirteen hours of duck calling, pretty much. I mean, going to Arkansas. Whenever I do my long road trips for all my girls' trips, I'm typically just I'm sitting there practicing on my duck calls. And I'll play it through. I'll play a TikTok or a YouTube yeah. video through the truck, and I just sit there and I'll just rewind, rewind, and just try to mimic what they're yeah. doing. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that's the same <laughs> thing. So I'm not going to lie. I, I just recently, about two years ago, um, I decided that I wanted to learn how to spec call. I don't know the first thing about spec calling. So I ordered a pretty high-end spec call, and I listened to this one guy who he kind of was the reason I ordered this particular call. And listening to this guy do these different things. And so for like a week, I would drive up and down the road, and I'm listening to it. And then he would get into what's called the murmur. Yes. And the way that he would do it, I can't – this last name's guy's uh, – this, this guy's last name is Jessup. I think it's Steel Jessup or something. And – he was like, oh, yeah, the last thing you need to learn is the murmur. And it's like this real I'm trying it. I cannot master it to save my life. You know? It just takes practice, man. It does. But I know guys that are really, really good at calling specs. And that's for a spec, that's the, that's the whole thing. You know, mm -hmm. if you could be good, you can almost convince them to an extent to go where you want, want to, you know, where you're at. So one thing I'm going to try to master Redbone makes a good that's who, spec that's call. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I have one, and I, that's one I've been really practicing yeah, which on. They're, uh, they're owned by SureShot. Yep. Now, mm -hmm. the whole deal with that is it's just a difference in cupping your hand, you know, and the whole placement with your yeah, hand. It's, it's something all I'm about not used the pressures to. and everything. But I think the second that you are, if you're receptive to learning new things, it changes the game. And I'm constantly, I've been duck hunting, I'm 30 now. I've been duck hunting since I was 12 or 13 
really hard hard at it since I was 16, you know, doing the public stuff. But I learn things from people all the time. And that's the coolest thing about I have a really cool friend group and then doing this podcast, I have people on all the time. I've learned a ton of stuff from you just sitting here. But see, that's that's what I like about doing this. I, I meet the opportunity to meet some cool people. Yeah. And as long as you're eager and are willing to learn, like the the stuff that you know, the stuff that your dad taught you or that your uncle taught you, that might not be the best way to do it. And as long as you're willing to learn, things are changing. You know, um, I'll I'll spill one of his secrets. Petty was on here. Petty's probably one of the better waterfowl guides that I know. He's got it in a lot of different areas, and he taught me something this past season with model ducks, and it's barking. He calls it barking at them. And so no feed call, no hail call, none of that. And it's just this, this annoying, like the ring back to the ringtone on, on your iPhone, <laughs> just that, <laughs> and it drives them insane. And like this year, just with him, we shoot a good bit of model ducks, but uh, typically once you get past the first couple weekends, they're evasive. They're going to go land in the pothole the size of a pickup truck. But I had a lot of situations where I started – putting that into my calling sequence and it just changed the game. And I'm like, that's the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. You know, <laughs> the more, you know, the more, you know, as long as you're willing to learn. That's it. And I will say with women, we are eager to learn. And I get told whenever we go on a lot of these girls hunts, the guides are, do understand and see how receptive we are to learning. There's some that this may be like, I went on one, it was, one of this girl's like first time in a layout blind, needing to pop up and shoot geese and all that kind of stuff. I mean, sit there, practice a few times, saying, calling the shot and everything. It's like, okay, here we go kind of thing. And we'll listen. Yeah. We really want to know how to do it right. We don't want to have any sort of safety issues For or sure. anything like that or hurt anyone or hurt anything. And so that is something that like I'm wanting to get bigger in is trying to teach women like you can get into this. and. Yeah. You can do it on your own. You don't have to be reliant on your husband, boyfriend, uh, whoever bringing you out to do it. Like you can go and hunt public. You can go lease your own space and get all the things and do it. Yeah. Well, and it's another, you know, it's, it's something that we need as many people in this industry as we can get. Because I can promise you there are a lot of people out there that do not appreciate the things that we do. The core values that we have and the reason that, you know, what gets us through the summer and what gets us through that work day or what gets us through that work week is the anticipation of what happens on Saturday and Sunday and what all goes into that. And they don't understand that it's not just killing, you know, and what all goes into that and how much we appreciate that. So the more people that we can bring into this industry, the, the bigger our force is. And, and I'm all for it. 100%. I mean, it's the same with, I mean, the big game. People are like, why are you going to go shoot that high fence deer and stuff like that? I mean, it's like, well, I'm putting food on the table. Yeah. I'm putting a pretty piece of decoration on the wall kind of thing. And the zebra, I got a lot of flack for shooting oh, that I zebra. Hey, I can imagine. And so. I was just like, you're welcome to try. And it's funny because a lot of people that actually then try it, once I cook it, they're like, okay, this is absolutely delicious. Yeah. And a lot of people that shoot them in Africa, they're like, man, I really wish I could bring this back with yeah. me, the meat. And so it's neat to have the opportunity to shoot one in Texas to where then you can keep the meat and everything. You could, you could dot all of your I's and cross all of your T's, but you're always going to have someone, especially with social media, that oh, is yeah. going That's to it. say something. We talked about this the other day. There's always someone who comes in 
with some fake profile with their name, no name, and they're going to say something extremely hateful mm-hmm. and extremely ugly. You have to learn to kind of move past that, you know, appreciate what you do and move on. That's you know? it. I mean, especially, I mean, within the women hunting and everything like that, I mean, it, there can be some inappropriateness that kind of goes along with that as well. And a lot For of people, sure. and men sometimes want to kind of associate that with it, but it's like, no, we're out there hunting. We're doing exactly what you're doing kind of thing. And we're wanting to spread that awareness and do the conservation aspect of it. We're wanting to learn and grow and do it right. So what, so you mentioned a website or a, 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 I guess a Facebook page that was like a waterfowler, a women for mm-hmm. waterfowler. What is the name of that, if you don't mind? Oh, uh, man. I'm in a few of them. There's women who hunt. Okay. There's women of waterfowl. Um, there's some Texas ones. I mean, there's there's a lot of them that are So there's out a lot there. of resources that are out there yes. if, if you're listening okay. to this and want to get involved. That's definitely a good avenue to do that. So you kind of mentioned something that's, I know, an extremely controversial topic but i would like to touch on this as much as you're comfortable with it but there are a lot of what would you what blind bunnies okay <laughs> right yes. Is that, I, i'm trying to think of the best way to say that but there i've heard are, of numerous terms <laughs> but there there are a lot of situations where an attractive woman will go pose with this and that and so what does that do for you or what are your thoughts on that? Because I feel like there's a mis- it's a misleading subject because you're hardcore. You're just as hardcore as I am, right? But then you have some girls who maybe are... Maybe more. Yeah, maybe more. <laughs> you are more. I mean, yeah, 100% if you want to t- tap right. into the big game stuff. I mean... Yeah, where were you in Missouri not hunting there. snow geese? This is cold. It was wonderful. I, I loved it. It really? was like four degrees and it was amazing. Oh, I, would, I would 100% go. But I also... So kind of diverting. So I have a heated vest... Okay. that I can sit there and control. I have heated socks that I can control with my phone. It's an app controlled socks. I also have a heated butt cushion. And so I can lay in the layout for all day and be just fine. Uh, the, the, the misery's part of it. <laughs> nah. Yeah. That's yeah. so this is where I help women understand it can be comfortable. <laughs> I have my blind snacks all in there. I mean, I have all of it. So. Oh yeah, we, we never heard what was in oh, the yeah. bag. Snacks, of course. Um, the Little Debbie Christmas tree cakes. I'm so ready oh, for those oh to come God. back out. John Breeden, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready for those. Um, gun oil. Let's see. I that, mean. that That is a very good thing to have. <laughs> it's a must. Yeah. My brother went to Kansas. It was like 32 and just freezing, just freezing rain, stuff like that. He's like, I pop up, first shot, boom, and it doesn't load. He's like, so after that hunt, I had to go clean my shotgun. Oh, yeah. It so, happens. It's a must. I'm always the one that's like, I have it. Here you go, kind of thing. And I'm passing it down <laughs> yeah. the line. Um, let's see. Uh, grocery sacks. That's a must. I mean, you pick up trash and everything like yeah. that from your snacks and from shotgun shells. Um, of course, extra shotgun shells. Um, I have a finisher as well. Huh. Let's see. I have a knife in there. Um, I have a headlamp. I have a little flashlight, and let's see, my dog whistle, that's on my lanyard, but sometimes I shove all that in my bag. Let's see, uh, extra gloves, because sometimes I get wet. Also, the like a dry fit towel okay. kind of thing, so those are always nice to have. Um, it's pretty full whenever I'm going out there. I mean, it's like a woman's purse. It's always full, and it's like magical with all the things that come out of it kind of thing. You so. know what? I, I appreciate you. <laughs> you are a gear junkie. 
I am. And yeah. I love it. I was about to say, I'm a waterfowl guide, and she's more prepared than I am. <laughs> I'm like, I know I'm missing a bunch of stuff that's in there. Is um, it, hand there warmers. Any, is there any wet wipes or yes. toilet paper? Yes, both. Okay. There you go. <laughs> you so, have to have that. See, yeah, or that, or you sacrifice a sock or oh, yeah. a piece of a shirt <laughs> or something like if that. If I leave the truck, I'm screwed. <laughs> <laughs> There's always an, an oh roll in the center console of my truck, but if I get out of the truck, we're in a bind. Well, and then also there's like, I don't have this in my bag, but I do have some friends. It's like a shiwi. It's like. I don't know what that is. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. oh, I do know what that is. It's, it, it's like a. It's like a little it, device that helps funnel. women okay. go it, to the restroom easier. Okay. Yes. It's 2023. We've got to tread lightly around this subject. Uh, yes. It's so, called shiwi. A shiwi. It, it's okay. a funnel. John, yes. if you're still listening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about first aid? Yes, I do have some of that in there. Tourniquet. Um, I also have like the Mojo little picker-upper for the shotgun oh, the, uh, shells, yeah, the little yeah. magnet and everything. Mojo things like yeah. godsend. But yeah, little baby first aid kit. Um, little, little boo-boo kit. A boo-boo kit, yes. And the tourniquet for if it's... Big, big boo-boo. Not a boo-boo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. So hunting deer, big game, and hunting ducks. What are you carrying? Like rifle and shotgun. Um, let's see. Okay, big game. My forty-five seventy for okay. real big game. I was about um, to say we're talking to someone who yes. has hunted big, big game. So that's and that's got an like a one to eight LPVO. I don't know your, your scope. Um, I'm trying to think of what's on it. I'm like Chad would know because he put it on there. I, I I think that's what he said was on it. it okay, it, it's a. It's, it's a it's, it's a nice it's setup. A low power. She's like me. I'm like I, I don't know. It zooms in. A low yeah. power variable optic. Yeah. It hey, it worked on the buffalo and it worked on the zebra. That's all that matters. There you go. <laughs> what are you carrying to the blind? Um, let's see. Also, I have uh, my 243 that I like to use for whitetail and axis 30 out six as well. Um, snacks, of course, I'm bringing to the blind. <laughs> but a lot of the those hunts I've been doing a uh, spot and stalk. So, I mean, it's, I mean, we're going around trying to find them and stuff like that. But if I'm actually going and sitting in the blind, I mean, buddy heater, that, yeah. I even oh, bring yeah. those into the duck blind. Yeah. Like, yep, yep. also thermocells, if it's hot yes. kind of thing, have to have that. See, uh, you should, you should utilize yours more. I know. I have one. <laughs> They're the best. They are. They do work. That's great. in my blind bag. Yeah, and they do the work great. I just Keen's so sweet. It, the mosquitoes just flock <laughs> they to them. They, they don't like. They don't like a ginger. <laughs> they stay away from me. I guess. I have a very high tolerance for mosquitoes. I don't know if you've caught any of these previous episodes. I hate. I'm like. Chad. I don't like I them. Death to all mosquitoes. Yeah. But I, I am. I have marshland in my back all the time. Mm -hmm. But I am not always breaking out the thermocell. I know I should because I know it works, but absolutely, it it is a godsend. It is. It just feels like for me, there's so many things involved to get everything right in that situation with getting people to the blind, making sure my dog doesn't do something stupid or pee on somebody or <laughs> jump out of the Marshmaster or whatever it may be. That when I get there and I'm like halfway. I can't breathe because I just walked a mile to park this big giant marsh buggy. The last <laughs> thing that's on my mind is finding this little contraption in my bond bag and making sure it's ignited. And I'm very appreciative when someone else has one, though. That is well, one so thing with all of us women. Y'all all have one? When you drop them off, hand it to them like, here, man, turn this on. 
that's typically what I do. And then that way, when you walk your mile, you're like, it's yeah, good. But see, it works if you're hunting with buddies. It doesn't work if you're hunting with clients. I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you, I'll tell you how <laughs> I can verify this. Two years ago, I told this story, like the second, third episode of this podcast, but it has not been aired since. Two years ago, I was guiding a group in some shallow marsh late November. And we were going in on a marsh master, which is a small, looks like a small tank. So I dropped my clients off in the blind. It's a bunch of younger guys, about my age, and they're all from Houston. And I put them in the blind, and I go park the Marshmaster. As I'm walking back, I have a flashlight in hand. I didn't have to park it that far, and it's very, very shallow water. I mean, 12 inches at most. And I have a, a DeWalt flashlight in my hand, no gun. Everything is in the blind. And... I remember seeing a shrimp jump out of the water and I'm like, hmm, there's still shrimp in the marsh. And that's the last thing I remember. Next thing you know, I felt my, I, I, my, I do remember stepping on something that felt off. And next thing you know, I'm laying on my side. And when I grab my flashlight and turn from here to the fireplace, there's a very large alligator with his mouth open and he's almost kind of in a C shape quartering to me. And so I just start like, backpedaling trying to get out of it and when i get you know i stand up i'm like nobody's gonna believe this so of course i break out my cell phone now i'm standing probably from here to you maybe i'd step back i probably I did step back about twice the distance and i video this thing well he had his head had gone underwater but it was so shallow that you could still see his back well i make it to the blind and i'm telling the my clients i was like guys i just got bit by an alligator no way I'm like, guys, I'm, I'm telling you, I just got bit by an alligator and I'm about to pull off my waders and I don't know how bad this is, but I know I'm bleeding because I stuck my hand down there. Well, his tooth had hit the center of my shin, straight bone, and it was a, it literally looked like you took a pocket knife and skimmed my shin. It was a, a nick. Didn't look like much. And so talking about relying on people in the blind, when I went to go par, uh, pick up the Marshmaster, I had to really, of course, at this time, I'm going with a gun. Because I've got a, the Marshmaster, let's just say hypothetically, it's at 12 o'clock. Well, to get to that buggy, I had to walk. I walked way through the marsh at 3 o'clock, <laughs> back up towards 12 o'clock, and then back over to the left, right, if that makes any sense. But when I was talking to my clients, they were one of the guys said, you want me to go with you? And it crossed my mind. I'm not going to lie. I didn't, these are younger guys, and I didn't want to rely on these paying customers. But it crossed my mind. I said, yeah, you know what? That's probably not a bad idea. Because I'm not going to lie, I'm a grown man, but that scared me to death. Mm -hmm. And the guy said, I said, you know, I, no, you don't have to do that. He said, good, because I wasn't going to go anyways. <laughs> he, said, <laughs> he said, but I do have a whistle. <laughs> Here's this whistle. <laughs> blow this whistle if that alligator grabs you. If you get attacked, blow this whistle. That's we'll literally what he told me. I'm like, okay, guys, I know I knew I couldn't count on y'all, and I was really glad that I told him no anyways, because then I'd look like a chicken for saying <laughs> yes, but... You cannot rely on people in the blind. Yeah, it, you want me to go with you? Yeah. Oh, it's too bad. I mean, that's literally <laughs> what he said. Yeah. Well, blow the whistle if something happens. I'm like, oh, gee, thanks. You know. That's too funny. But you mentioned that you have a dog. I do. And I do want to talk about that. How old <laughs> is your dog? She is four. Okay. Mm -hmm. Did you have her trained? Did you send her anywhere? Or she just got back last week. Okay. Um, she's been going to hard retrievers at a college station, but then I actually go up to Iowa oh, okay. and then get trained all summer because it's just too hot down here. 
100%. Yeah, she's a yellow lab. And so I got her from a guy out of Louisiana. Um, he had her and posted her. And I was like, you know what? I want a, I want a dog. And so yeah. I went and picked her up. And she's been great. Like, we work really well together. But I also like that anyone can kind of work with her, too. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I want to start incorporating and doing is teaching women how to work dogs. Because typically, whenever we go and we hunt, everyone's like, oh, the puppy dog. Oh, my God. Let me love on it kind of thing. And that like kids, women, we like to meet the dog and love on the dog kind of thing. And so that is something I really do want to start teaching and showing women is like you can control a dog and you can learn how to do the hand signals and the whistles and everything like that as well. I just feel like it's a whole other form of getting people engaged. Too, it is. You know, I, I mean, that is three quarters of the reason that I still do it. And that like when you hear your alarm go off, you're like, mm, another five minutes. But then there's a little yellow lab or whatever color lab you may have that's standing there like, hey, dude, it's go time. Yep. It's time and to they're, help. They're so excited. They're ready to work. And, like, she, her personality, like, whenever you have her out of the blind compared to whenever she is in the blind, it like, she just turns on work mode. Yeah. And it is just so neat. And sometimes she's looking at ducks that I don't even see. And mm-hmm. she's seeing the birds that I don't even see. And I'm like, oh, okay, there is something out there kind yeah. of thing and stuff like that. So that is um, a really neat aspect, especially in Missouri, too. That was, we they were having to run multiple dogs. So does she, she'll, tr- will, will she travel with you on some of these trips that you have planned? She does, um, and she will on certain ones, yes. Cool, cool. Yeah. Um, you know, like you said, you mentioned, I tell people this all the time, but my dog is the dumbest dog at home, but the smartest dog in the field. Like around the house, I have people come over that don't really duck hunt, and they're like, this is the biggest, dumbest goofiest dog you know just <laughs> flopping around everywhere but in the field it's all business and he, you know they have that switch that they, they can do. cut on and off so i touched on a controversial subject okay. and I, i'm not going to go back to this i want to i want to start if we don't if we don't want to talk about this we don't have to but i do have a way to I feel like start and close it so in the hunting industry there are a lot of women who kind of ride the wave of the marketing side of things and I'd ask you, I know we kind of diverted this, but I do want to close my portion of this out and say that there are women and you are a walking proof of there are hardcore women. And just because there's attractive women out there on social media doing all these uh, gripping grins, you know, and stuff like that, um, there's a stigma on a lot of women hunting. And so I know that's something that you have to constantly combat as being an an advocator for women hunting. And so my question would be, what would you tell women that were looking to get into hunting and fishing? What advice would you give them? um, Don't like overdo it. Like pretend, I mean, be conservative with it, with what you're wearing, what you're doing, how you're acting. I mean, you have the women that are going and taking pictures with piles and stuff and with less clothing and whatever and all that kind of stuff. I mean, and it's just like you have a bunch of guys that want to take the pile pictures too. I mean, so it is, there's that that goes on. Um, Try, I mean, there are so many women's groups that you can get into to actually go on these hunts with. And I always kind of ask like, and it's not about if someone has experience or not, because I have met some women that had zero experience and they had an absolute ball and we have become very good friends. 
And then there's some that are very experienced and then they do kind of what we're talking about. And it's kind of like, okay, well, you do you kind of thing, but I'm not going to associate with that. For sure. So it's a matter of, I mean, just association. Um, it, It just depends on like what you want to be associated with. And for women that are really wanting to get into this and not be associated with that, just be stand for yourself mm-hmm. like stand up for yourself if you are in an uncomfortable situation and there are some times where guides do take advantage of an all women's group and they're kind of like hey let me pick out which one i want kind of sure. thing and that does happen and so i mean i just i'm like hey i'm here kind of thing i'm married like i'll be cool but like i'm not getting into any of that yeah, kind of thing for sure. and so for women that really want to get into this it's just try to band together with the ones that are doing it the right way well it sounds like you guys have this like the social media platform sounds like such a resource it is because from a from a, a, a girl's perspective if i was a girl i would not want to fall in with a random outfit with a bunch of old dirty guys nope like i know the conversations that happen in those duck blinds and being the opposite sex i would be pretty uncomfortable in some of those scenarios right but it sounds like y'all have such a good resource right now just direct people to kind of pull together and keep generating these girls hunts and things like that i think it's a magical thing it it is and then i mean and i grew up with i mean going to the deer lease with my dad and everything like that i mean i and i've been in duck blinds because joel he'll bring me sometimes and stuff like that and the guys are like we can't i'm like you can talk everyone i don't care i've heard it all we probably (laughs) talk about it too kind of thing i may contribute to it here and there (laughs) and so i mean it's whatever and so but it is neat to have these groups that are happening and uh with the women that are growing in it i mean and it's a huge like explosion over the past couple years that women getting into waterfowl hunting and that's another thing too is i have a friend she has a waterfowl brand for women what and, is that called uh, the duck huntress okay I've, i have seen that mm-hmm. who has that uh kate hunt kate hunt okay that's and and so um she does a lot of like women's like graphic tees and everything like that as well cool. okay. and so and it's uh gator waiters has actually started to have women's waiters and nice. so that is one of the preferred ones that i like because i've tried pretty much all the waiters and um, I have a couple of pair of gators, gator waders because they do actually fit well for women. Um, I'd love to get some Sitka waders, but they don't make a small enough shoe size. Kind What's of their smallest shoe size? I think it's not even an eight anymore. I think really? it's a nine. Mm-hmm. And really? I need like a men's six. Got you. So that's, that's the problem. And then it's like, I'm not a kid, so it doesn't yeah, even be short kind sure. of thing. So that's something I'm kind of looking into is like, how can I bring more to the table for women to, like within the hunting world as far as like apparel and out, uh, outfits and stuff as far as gear yeah. kind of thing. And so, um, but Sitka does have a women's line now and it's growing. And it, the more that we are talking about it, because I mean, there's a lot of us that are actually reaching out to Sitka and to these other major brands. Right. Yeah, if you make enough noise, they're They're like, they're okay, gonna we're going to add some more for you. Yeah. And we're going to listen to what you need and what your sizing actually is and stuff like that. Because I mean, we're not all the same size. For I mean, sure. we're, I mean, there's some women, they need a size 10 women's size boot and but they're real skinny and so and i mean just because you're a size 10 shoe does not mean that you i mean need an extra large size waders and so i mean yeah that that, that's him yeah his his foot size you could fit about three people in his waders (laughs) yeah it's a it's another topic of discussion i'm i'm the i'm the poor poor boy when it comes to waders and uh 
there there has been a few conversations about my waders because I wear a size 14 shoe. Oh wow! But to get a size 14 shoe, you're in like a quad X double XL. You are <laughs> waiter, and I could fit three people in my waders. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm I have not been converted to the Sitka waders yet. I've got everything else that Sitka makes. I just haven't yeah. driven to Houston with a thousand dollar bill to buy a pair of waders that I'm gonna rip opening day of duck season but they right. have a good see, warranty they do have a good warranty you're right see but that yeah that's that's the thing for me like i've got academy waiters yeah that, i have those too that i spent like 50 bucks on i went and looked the other day and like that same pair is like a hundred bucks and i was like jeez i don't like neoprene waiters <clears throat> no i have had the same set of frog tog waiters that it's their brush guard series so they've got like this little exterior membrane and i'm going on four years with them and when they break, I'll go take a, another hundred dollar bill and buy another set <laughs> and get made fun of for it's gonna my. Going to be two hundred dollars now, probably so. Yeah. I have five pairs of waders for different different scenarios. Different scenarios, also for whenever friends come and hunt. Yeah, I mean, I, I do have a lot of extra gear, so whenever sharing I do is have, whenever I have friends come and hunt, I mean, I have extra shotguns. It's like, hey, you want to come? And that's how I've kind of gotten into it is by actually teaching women is. They're like, I don't know if I want to dive into this. Or For sure. their husband or whoever is not like, I'm not about to buy you all this yeah, yeah, if yeah. you're not actually going to get into it. So I'm like, hey, look, I have the stuff. You can come borrow it. Let's go do the thing. So what shotgun are you shooting? So let's see. Um, teal season, I have a 28-gauge and then a 20-gauge I like to shoot. Nice. And then big duck and geese, I have a 12-gauge. Okay. It's been a, a topic of discussion here for a long time. Absolutely. The, the 20, 28 gauges. I shoot a 20 gauge. A lot of the guides here shoot a 28. It's a it's growing in popularity. It is. It's supposed to be a really good yeah, I'm, chill. I'm a, I've, I've been 12 gauge just because that's, that's just how it was. I mean, that was tradition. Like we had talked about, like, you know, like it was really something to get into a 12 gauge. But I'm gonna try a 20 this year. I, I, to get women into it, a lot of them can't stand the kick yeah. of a 12 gauge, and it's also heavy yeah, for some it's women. It's clunky. It's very. And, clunky. and so the fact that we do now have the 28 gauge and the 20 gauge option, it is nice for women to have something that is lighter. Absolutely. And it doesn't kick as much. I mean, for and sure. how also, I mean, all the inertia driven and the gas yeah. and all that that now they have oh, with all these. Insane it's right compared now. to my little Remington 870 youth model, where yeah. that sucker as a 20 gauge would still kick kind oh, of thing. <laughs> and I remember using my dad's 12 gauge whenever I was younger, and I was like, nope, I don't like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it knocked me on the ground, kind of. Thing. It's all very different now. Yeah. All the technology that has come about with shotguns and everything. Cool. Well, I uh, really appreciate you coming <laughs> yes, on. Yes. I want to kind of close things up, but I really want to reiterate on the importance of what you discussed. I mean, just women getting involved in hunting. Yeah. And you have opened my eyes to a lot of things, <laughs> and you taught me a lot of things today. Well, and so good. I really enjoyed having you on, and I hope, hope that you show up one day to the skin and shed down here at about 11 o'clock in the morning with some like zebra or something. I'll do it for <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, thank you for coming. Yes, awesome. Thank you so thank much. Thank you all so much for having me. Yes, ma'am. All right, guys, that is going to do it for this week's episode. Uh, y'all find us on our socials, everything, but only fans. <laughs> <laughs> We're not there yet. Not quite. I mean, we might be pretty soon. Waiter prices might have us right. there before Feet long. Finder. Feet finder. Feet finder. Didn't somebody else say that last Boone time? Boone did. Oh, Boone yeah. Did. <laughs>
Yeah. There we go. I'm in my flip-flop, so come on with it. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, find us on our socials. Like, follow, subscribe. Uh, rate and review our show on our audio platforms. Until next time, y'all be safe and happy hunting.